The Go Blue Crew on Wolverine Sounds. Derek, did you get a chance to watch any other college football games other than Michigan on Saturday? Because I, I it's a glorious opening weekend. It's a, it's a religious experience for me personally. But did you get a chance to take in the whole scene? Yeah. So, I mean, to be honest, I, I paid attention to the five-star event. I think I watched the game Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and, and then last night's Monday. Right. So, yeah, I'm with you. I did I did the exact same thing. Um Monday night I did not watch a whole lot, but uh I tuned in at the very end when it got close. Virginia Tech West Virginia. So those those were two uh good teams I think going at it. So we can uh, forego all that nonsense and we can talk about what really matters here and that's that Michigan Pretty much handled Florida. You know, uh, only three offensive points, got some interception stuff that needs to be worked out. But overall, I mean, you have to say it was an extremely positive opening week for Michigan, right? Yeah, and I would say I actually think there were maybe more positives than I expected. A lot of questions going in. I mean, that was obvious. Everybody's talked about it, including us. And I think a lot of questions were answered. And I think that some of the mistakes that were made Uh, like the back-to-back pick sixes, which is just about the worst outcome that could happen in a football game, I think things like that can be fixed. So if you can somehow eliminate that from your mind, uh, it's a very good uh, football game and a heck of a team that that Michigan put out on the field, especially for uh, week one against a a Gator squad that at least has athletes and talent. I mean, they we can't really prove how well they're going to be put together as the season rolls on. Looks like they have their own issues, especially offensively. But I was impressed. I'm very happy with the result and just happy that we're talking about a win rather than a loss. And correct me if I'm wrong, but following those two pick sixes, that next possession was when the punt got blocked. I yes, think. absolutely. So, so those are to... three terrible possessions back to back to back. And we're looking at a a young, inexperienced team, which I know everyone talks about. And they came out and made a really nice statement against Florida, showing that you know just because we're young and mostly inexperienced doesn't mean that we're not going to be pretty freaking good. But it's still worth bringing up, like in times like that, where you think uh, normal teams this young, this experienced would not be able to bounce back. Michigan did it pretty well, and to the point where. Uh, I'd say by you know midway through the third quarter, it's like it, Florida's not going to have a chance in this one. Even though Michigan eventually didn't pull away, it never really felt like in the second half the Gators were actually going to make an attempt at a win. Yeah, I I think that, and you've seen games like this before. I think of the the Michigan Michigan State game from last year, where State made that push at the end. Uh, and could have closed it within single digits, but Jabril Peppers had the iconic two-point uh, conversion return for, for a score. And it's a game that was never really close, uh, but the, the end of the game kind of made it seem, the final score seemed like it was. If you were kind of checking in from afar, maybe looking at the ticker at the bottom or, or just maybe a, enjoying a, a fan flipping back and forth and, and wanting to land on the Michigan game every once in a while, you would think that it was a, was a tough contest. And it was because of those two huge mistakes. Uh, Michigan found themselves down, but 
if you really just kind of analyze it as a whole, it was a thrashing. I mean, it was it was a complete and utter dominance, and that's such a positive for Michigan. Obviously, not positive for Florida, but Jim McElwain, who said, "Hey, we're going to beat the heck out of Michigan," and was poking some some fun at Michigan leading up to the game, just came out at the end and say, "Hey." They smacked us. They took it to us. They wanted it more, uh, and that the result is what it is. And props to him for the, the honest uh, answers in the press conference. And then again today with his assistant coaches as as they did conferences. But I mean, it is what it is. Michigan dominated Florida, uh, and if you eliminate those mistakes once again, you're looking at a 33 to three ball game, and which is going to turn every head in the nation. For those of you who are new to the party, you can follow us on Twitter at Wolverine Sounds. You can check us out on Facebook at Wolverine Sounds, or you can go to WolverineSounds.com. I should have said and. You can do all three of those with, with no worries. So later on in the show, Derek, I want to come back to one worry that I have after watching this game. But first, I went back and watched it on Sunday one more time, and I I was paying attention to... A few main things. Okay, so first, I wanted to see how often Michigan went with that three-man front instead of the four-man front. And it turns out it's, uh, gosh, you know, I never did the math. My guess is going to be about 80 to 85%, maybe even more. Okay, so there's that. And I wanted to check out Cleek Hudson, how he did in run support, because as he's taking Jabril Pepper's spot, that's one thing that we really praise Peppers for. And I think Hudson did really well in run support. And then the third thing, I wanted to watch the right side of the offensive line because that's the side that was getting repatched this year. And there were certainly some breakdowns. Uh, A couple sacks came in from that right side. But on the whole, I thought it looked okay. And it definitely could have been worse. Best of all, it gives you some reason to be hopeful. So I I did kind of, I don't know, geek out or whatever and go out and, and watch the game again. But what were what was like one or two of your main takeaways? Uh, so I was most focused on paying attention to the offensive line as well, uh, seeing what improvements could be made. Obviously, a major focus on the running game. One of the keys that I had for the game was establishing a running game early. I think Michigan did that successfully. They used all three backs that I predicted and many predicted they would use. Uh with uh, Higdon, uh, Evans, and Isaac. I think Isaac had uh, one very impressive game. Uh, very good to see him get out in open space. And, and one of the things I noticed is a lot of the runs, especially the big runs, it, it, it's athletes and running backs making plays and making the right moves, but the holes were so gaping or the downfield blocking was was so perfect that there were so many times where Ty Isaac got the ball, and the reason he had so many yards is because he just took it and it seemed like he ran forward. There was really no one standing in his way. He didn't really have to make any super shifty moves because he just had so much green in front of him, which is obviously going to be key uh, as the season rolls on. Establishing a running game early, often, and throughout the season is obviously going to make Michigan a better team. I also had a close eye on the defense. I was really uh, keen on Devin Bush. So when Devin Bush almost goes out first play of the game, I'm thinking like, man, I wanted to watch him more than anybody. There he goes for targeting. Luckily, the call uh, was not targeting. He stayed in the game. And just to see how athletic he is, it already seems like he is one of the best players on that Michigan defense. And it was kind of cliche going into the season. A lot of people talked about this defense is going to be good. They could be better. And I kind of jumped on that train as well, uh, thinking that, yeah, if these guys develop, they might be better than last year's guys. 
I mean, in week one to to put that kind of performance against a Florida team, even if Florida has question marks on offense, they looked like a legitimate defense. And now I am super positive that they can be as good, if not better, as the season rolls on, especially as all of these young guys, Kalik Hudson included, continue to mature, get used to the field, get some more experience. I honestly think that they're going to be more deadly than last year. Yeah, I was uh, not one of the people to jump on that bandwagon with with this year's defense becoming better than last year's because it seemed blasphemous to me. But I will say, Devin Bush, you're absolutely right. It looks like maybe the best player on that defense. He's so quick, so powerful. Michigan hasn't had a middle linebacker like that in a long time. He can cover your running backs. He can cover your slot receivers, and then he can also get in the backfield and kind of wreck your afternoon. So that's going to be such a tremendous weapon. Okay, so what did you think about the secondary, specifically the corners? Because that may have been the place that was getting the most questions heading into this season. I thought they responded well. I'm curious to know what you thought. Again, it's hard because until you can see what the Florida Gators turn into, you don't know how much of a threat they ever were going to be in game one. There were a couple of times early. uh, I don't remember the exact stat, but I'm pretty sure at one point, three of Florida's plays uh, were like 90 of their 100 and some yards. Um, So they gave up a couple of big plays. I remember LaVert Hill getting beat a couple of times, uh, which led to a couple of question marks early for me because he was one of the guys that people really kind of said, hey, he seems to get it. Uh, there are a couple of others that are looking to fill in some gaps, but overall, I think they responded well. I think the whole team responded phenomenally after the break, and I think that they kind of rose to the occasion and, and started playing really good defense. Now, having a defensive line and a linebacking core like Michigan has is going to put a lot of pressure on both the run game and the pass game. Obviously, when you go to uh, Malik Zaire at some point, who also had no success, uh, just like Felipe Franks didn't have any success. Uh, you you obviously are, are making it hard for the opposing quarterback to make plays, but as the game went on, I think those guys continued to get better and better, and so that secondary, those cornerbacks specifically, is a group that I think is just going to improve as the season rolls on, again, as they get experience and have some maturity on the football field. And so I, I think most of my concerns... Uh, although they're not completely eliminated because the season is long and obviously there there are teams like a Cincinnati and an Air Force that are hungry. Should they beat Michigan? No. Uh, will they test Michigan? Could a really good quarterback and receivers test Michigan? Yes. So there's more to see from them, but I think everybody is as good as expected, if not better than expected in week one. And I think that's got to be a positive sign for Michigan. I really liked what I saw from the corners. Lavert Hill did get beat uh, once or twice. Overall, I thought he had a really good game, and he he was really good in run support. Had a couple tackles where he exploded to the line and, and blew something up that maybe could have turned into something. Brandon Watson, I thought, looked pretty good. So did David Long. Both of them went down. And you know, to be honest, I think you kind of hit on this earlier. It's not like these this Florida passing attack was really testing them to the point where we can be uh, you know, without without a doubt there. But to see the, the blankets that they were putting on those receivers, uh, that was very encouraging. And that's obviously a huge part of what Don Brown does on defense. If, you, if your corners can't cover, then you can't 
have these exotic blitz, blitz packages that wreck everything in the backfield and get quarterbacks on their heels. So, of course, you know, it's, it's, at this point, it's like, uh, what, what can we say about the defensive front? Of course, they're going to get really good pressure, but the whole thing falls apart if your corners can't cover. So that was a very encouraging sign for me. So obviously, people are talking about Wilton Spate, and my personal opinion is that this thing is pretty much over in terms of the quarterback battle. Uh, two pick sixes, yeah, sure. On the whole, though, I thought he looked like a starter, especially in the second half when Michigan got back to basically what it did last year. You saw you saw a lot of tight ends in there on those crossing routes, which uh, he works best, I think, in those situations. Had a few really nice balls that he threw to, well, one was to Grant Perry, and the other one was to Nick Eubanks, and obviously the one to Tariq Black. So do you think this is actually Wilton Spate's offense, or do you think there's an ongoing quarterback battle? No, I, I, I think that the, the battle is laid to rest. There was claims that John O'Corn is going to see time anyway. I'll be curious if John O'Corn sees time from here on out. I think that the timing was perfect to see John O'Corn on sit Wilton Spate. And uh, what, what was said at the halftime is uh, this can either go two ways and, and you're in control of the outcome. This is Jim Harbaugh uh, talking to, to Wilton Spate saying the next move is crucial. Uh, and I think he came out and responded, well, if you look at the stat line, it's not impressive, especially if you consider the two pick sixes. Uh, one was tipped could have been uh, caught potentially. I, anytime I see a ball touch two hands and go through them, I, I want to put blame on the receiver. The second one was definitely his fault. But again, he came out at the beginning of the season last year and threw an interception against Hawaii and Michigan won 63-3. to He's going to make mistakes. Uh, this, this team is full of humans. I think that he is a better quarterback than John O'Korn. Uh, and Last year, it seemed that he he got better and better and better, and then the Iowa game came around, the injury came around, and then he didn't really perform in the big games like people wanted him to. Now, expectations are a lot higher for everybody because the expectation is to win against Ohio State and to win against a Florida State. So we'll see if what Wilton Spate comes out against maybe the, the easier teams coming up here on the schedule, but I expect it to be him going forward. I expect him to have a heck of a year still, and I just hope that he can improve on uh, the few things that he needs to and then kind of get back into that gamer mode that he had in the non-conference and early conference season. And as the bigger games, the at Penn State's, the at Wisconsin's, the hosting Ohio State, and then obviously bowl game or further, does he respond in the big games and can he avoid making mistakes? Because again, you eliminate two interceptions in that game. You eliminate two Florida touchdowns, and, and people are laughing that the Gators even tried out in the field and put up three points. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty laughable game without those two pick sixes. So sticking to the theme of the passing game, I saw some on Twitter. I'm not going to name names because I'm not like that. But they they said they were kind of disappointed that there was no evolution in the passing attack with Pep Hamilton. I kind of disagree, though, because Michigan took more downfield shots than I remember in these past couple of years. I mean, Jake Rudock uh, was kind of known for not having a very good deep ball and demonstrated that more than a couple of times. Spate last year, I just feel like was never turned loose completely. But against Florida, it looked like even John O'Corn, you know, he had a, a 30-some yarder down the sideline, a perfect throw to Tariq Black. The quarterbacks were let loose against Florida, 
and it didn't always work out, but to me, it added an extra element to this passing attack. So maybe I'm just seeing things. What I mean, what, what was your impression there? Well, I think one of the things you've got to consider is you see a Jed Fish go out to UCLA, and you see uh, Josh Rosen lead an incredible comeback where he threw for like 450-plus yards and five TDs, and you think like, okay, we missed that. But I think you're right. I think there's a different element to the passing game. The fact that John O'Corn came out and threw a deep ball – really proved that to me that was the one play I needed to see to to know that Pep Hamilton is going to bring a different element to the passing game he's obviously a talented coach I think uh you have to be patient with Wilton Spate obviously especially with the mistakes he, he sat for a while but I think that more will be implemented into the passing game there's Spate is comfortable with certain things like you talked about earlier in the show I think the deep ball uh needs to be there I think unleashing him a little bit as long as he can avoid mistakes, is going to be a positive thing. It's hard to see what Pep Hamilton will bring exactly to Michigan, but I can I can guarantee you that Jim Harbaugh hires coaches that he he believes will make the team better. He he did that by replacing DJ Durkin, and the defense got even better. And so I believe that uh, Pep Hamilton is going to bring an element to the game that we are all going to love. And it's just a matter of time of Wilton Spate getting comfortable. Uh, Wilton Spate proving that he can eliminate mistakes. And then obviously, I think as the season goes on, the playbook opens up and, and the passing game would be included in that. So as I promised earlier, I'm going to come back now to one thing that uh, has me a little worried after watching Michigan against Florida. And it's a very common theme, I think, that we've seen through the last couple of years. And that's that the Michigan offense just kind of struggles to put teams away. You know, we saw the defense make it so that as I said, it never looked like Florida really had a chance, but it would have been awesome to see the offense go on uh, a long, sustained drive where they punch one in with Khalid Hill from the half-yard line. We just never really got that. Settled for a lot of field goals, had to uh, punt the ball away a couple times. It, it, it's, uh, it didn't come back to haunt them against Florida, but we've seen it haunt them in the past, and it's an issue that I think uh, warrants a little bit of worry. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think I'd I'd go a little bit of a different direction, uh, and it might sound like I'm beating a dead horse here because I'm going to have to use the interceptions as an example, but getting in control of the game early uh, is going to be key and also could help with putting a, a team away in the end. And, and obviously not allowing major momentum shifts you throw a pick six that's a momentum shift you throw another pick six that is all of the momentum left that goes to Florida and now you have to fight back not down very much it could have been worse at halftime but you have to fight back and claw your way and win the football game so in a game where you go into half uh, down and not down very much only three points you obviously need to find a way to, to rebound and respond. So if you can eliminate big momentum shifts and get in control of the game early, you have a better chance of winning, obviously. And then if you can continue to make adjustments after halftime and and dominate all game long, you have a better chance of putting them away. So it's pretty related to yours. I just think that uh, as on top of putting them away, just get control early. Come out of that first possession and score. At least get three points on the board. Um, we can have a whole nother podcast about the kicking game. I'd like to see it develop a little bit further. Obviously, we saw some flashes of amazing there for a second uh, until two field goals were missed. But if you can put points up on the board early and kind of control the tempo of the game, the pace of the game, 
I don't think it's going to matter if Michigan can put teams away because they should always be ahead just enough to, to keep it out of reach at least. So sticking to that theme, looking ahead to Cincinnati this Saturday, that's what I want to see from Michigan. If I could just pick one thing that I really want to see, it's, well, obviously, one, build a lead, but then two, be able to put a team away with your offense because you're going to be able to rely on your defense for the most part. But we look back uh, against you know Ohio State and Michigan State in 2015 and Iowa uh, 2016. I mean, those were games where the offense kind of failed down the stretch. So I would like to see Michigan obviously build up a lead, but then be able to put that team away. So that's one thing I'm looking for against Cincinnati. Derek, what are you looking for? I'm just looking for Michigan to come out and dominate. If Michigan's as good as advertised, they've already jumped up in the poll to, to number eight in the AP. If Michigan's as good as advertised and, and they're going to be a 33-point favorite at this point in the week over Cincinnati, I hope they come out and show it and, and show it early. I hope they come out and, and don't miss on possession after possession after possession. I don't need to see them score 50 points by any means, but I want to see positive things. I want to see improvement from Wilton Spate. Uh, and I want to see them dominate. If they're expected to dominate a team this year, I expect them to dominate a team this year. If you want to be a Big Ten championship team or have a chance to be in the, the conversation for uh, a college football playoff, you've got to control every single game and you've got to dominate teams like Cincinnati, Air Force, Purdue, especially when it's early in the season uh, and, and you have a lot of things to figure out. I mean, the more confidence you can get early in the season – the more you're going to have taking in some of the bigger games, the Michigan States, the Penn States, and then obviously later in the year with Wisconsin and Ohio State. So I hope they come out Saturday firing in all cylinders and, and put Cincinnati away in the first quarter. All right, and keep in mind if Michigan beats Cincinnati, by my count, Luke Fickle would be 2-0 and against the Wolverines as a head man. He started 0-1 in that interim year at Ohio State. That was Brady Hoke's first year in 2011. So hopefully he'll bring his Bearcats to the big house. And, uh, oh, I can't think of a, a Bearcat pun. But, you know, be run out of the big house. Send them back to Ohio where they belong as, what, like the fourth or fifth best team in that state. So anyway, thanks for listening to the Go Blue Crew. As I said earlier, you can find us on Twitter at Wolverine Sounds. Same thing on Facebook. And then you can also head to WolverineSounds.com. Thanks for listening, and go blue. Go blue.